0: VM <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. The final day of the Nebraska State FFA Convention. So if you hear some cheering in the crowds, unfortunately, Heather, it's not for you or I. It's for what's happening <laughs> on stage. Uh, but it's been an interesting uh, trading week this week and an interesting uh, information, a WASDI report that came out that I think was probably one of the most uneventful WASDI reports I've seen in a while. So what does that mean for us as we head down the road? We'll talk about the FAO report, the CPI numbers that come out now. Next week should be as no surprise. And then, of course, all the happenings with the weather, not only here in the Midwest, but globally. As you heard me mention, Heather, Heather Ramsey is joining us today. She is with the ARC Group. And Heather, let's start out talking about this WASDI report. Because I think it was one of those reports, if you didn't know it was happening, you didn't look for it because it was that uneventful. Yeah, I... The
0: only kind of real surprise here, dozen of beans and some old crop bean stocks, but most of the market was predicting all of these numbers already that we saw today in this WASDE report. Um, when you look at how the market finished, it kind of finished in line with what we were doing all this week anyways. And so, yeah, if you didn't know there was a WASD report going on, we didn't have any really wild movements or signals to give you a hint that we did today. Um, so we're seeing U.S. ending stocks on corn uh, pretty much in line with where we were in March. Soybeans slightly lower than expected, obviously lower than the March number. We've been sending a lot of soybeans out for export. Uh, if you look at wheat, Actually showing an improvement to wheat stocks. Um, There's some questions as to why that is coming from trade right now. Some of it has been just not that export volume hitting the books yet for the U.S. So that's kind of some of the difference there in wheat. If you look at the global stocks, I don't know that there's any real big surprises on global stocks. I think uh, the corn number globally is a little bit higher than what the trade was expecting. Uh, that is from looking at the Brazil crop right now and saying it looks really good. However, they got a long ways to go. Um, we all know how quickly corn can change if it dries out too much. And that is kind of the forecast that they're, they're going to be worried about down in Brazil. Um, if you look at soybeans, world ending stocks of soybeans, right in line with what we were thinking. Still very, very low, but definitely in line with what we were thinking. And wheat stocks, um, just a smidge lower uh, than maybe what the expectation was, but nothing too drastic. So one of those reports where the market did a pretty good job guessing what was coming Uh we're going to shift gears here, obviously, in the next couple of weeks. The planting window in the U.S., the pollination window on corn in South America, going to be very, very important, as well as the growing window, like kind of the finishing phase here for wheat. Getting some actual moisture is going to be a huge deal. So um, we're going to see some weather trade. We're going to see some of that come our direction. The bigger question is from now to May's report and then to June's report and June's planted acres, what changes are made? And that's what the market is jockeying around and trying to figure out. There's a lot of expectations that this could be, um, pretty significant year for corn in the U.S., uh, and if we fill a lot of demand other places, how low do 22-23 stocks potentially look? Which seems crazy because it's April of 22. Um, but we're already looking at what do the stocks for this coming crop potentially look like um, in the U.S. And if we even hint at below a billion bushels of carryout,
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know, <laughs> Susan, that could be... <laughs> that could be wild
1: so <laughs> well having said that i mean as you look at those numbers and, and you look at what everything's happening and, and the the pace that we're at for planting in the south what are your thoughts moving forward on these numbers in the next couple of weeks As we will start to change our focus from prep for planting to being in the depths of planting
0: yeah you know the, the conversations we're having right now i definitely think that After the planting intentions report, those were some very surprising numbers, I think, to a lot of people. We're definitely getting an opportunity here to switch some bean acres back to corn. You know, are we going to switch four or five million? Probably not. Um, Could we switch a million to two million? Yeah, we, we could. Um, So we could bolster this corn crop a little bit by the time we get to June and the planted acreage number, um, which would help kind of mellow things out. But again, I think we're seeing so much demand, um, so many supply inconsistencies, as well as a change to normal supply flow across the globe, that there's just some inherent volatility that's going to be sticking around here with these markets. We've had a lot of discussions with clients about, kind of that old phrase of strike while the iron's hot how hot's the iron going to get is is the real question (laughs) Um, and and so when I look at the 22 crop all of these prices make money for at least my clients Uh, knowing where we're sitting all of these prices make money every decision we make today we're making money I think what we have to start doing is positioning ourselves so that we still got some play in this market as it keeps going but that we don't leave the downside too far open. Because when you start looking into the deferred, into the 2023 crop, um, that one gets a little bit um, hairier. It's a little bit harder to figure out how to make that work I mean, we've got a lot of things to happen still between now and making some decisions on 2023, but we definitely want to keep an eye on it. We know that market prices have been high for several, several months, if not over a year now, when you look at old crops and new crops. And at some point, the farmer's real risk is that the market stops and that we run out of of movement. So we need to be conscious of, you know, managing our downside risk but at the same time we've got to keep taking advantage of where we're at we've got to position ourselves so that if the market does keep running with weather issues, um if we get back to trading anything related to um, additional wartime effects because, I mean let's be real, that is still going on. We We didn't talk about it a whole lot this week in the markets but that is still happening as well in the background and there's so many unknowns that we just don't have any idea of where they play out to We've just got to be smart about what we're doing and and make sure that we're taking the advantage to make money in 22 while it's here.
1: All right. Well, stick around, folks. More is coming up as we continue. It's the Fontanel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.
0: At Fontanelle Hybrids, people and products make the difference. Here's Fontenelle dealer Brandon Novak from St. Paul, Nebraska. Fontenelle offers a strong product lineup through their soybeans and through their corn. Working with the people of Fontenelle have made things a lot easier just because I have a sense of security and knowing that the products that I choose will be the right products for my farm with the help of our knowledgeable agronomists and FSRs. For more, contact your local dealer or go to fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label. Welcome back
1: to the Fontenelle. Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As I mentioned, we are broadcasting today from the Nebraska State FFA Convention, which is underway. And Heather Ramsey is joining us. She's with the ARC Group. Well, during the commercial break, Heather, you and I got talking You know, early in the day. We had seen the news of, of Russia bombing the train station. And I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting to see how the markets react to that. The fact that we've got some government reports coming out. And it really wasn't much of a blip on the radar. And I said I didn't want to use the word hardened because that's not the my frame of thinking on this, but maybe we've just gotten to the point that we know that this war between Russia and Ukraine is going to be here for a while, and this market has other things they need to focus on, including the weather, which we haven't really had a big focus on lately, and the fact that spring planting is underway. Yeah, and I I tend to agree
0: with that. Just, you know, we hadn't been trading any weather. We hadn't been trading any acres. We hadn't been looking at what actual production had been like coming out of South America. And the war situation is unfortunate, and it is going to make a big impact into the wheat side of our market. Kind of an overall redistribution of who has to provide wheat and where is a real I mean that's a real discussion uh, if you're Egypt and you're a you're traditionally the one of the larger importers of wheat uh China being one of the largest importers of wheat you know where is that coming from that's a real discussion and it's going to start gaining some momentum as we come into a northern hemisphere harvest of wheat we're a little ways off of that yet and so right now the interim what do we need to talk about what does the market need to figure in and it needs to figure in can brazil get through the next three weeks where they're going to be pollinating corn are they going to get some moisture i mean huge question number one are they going to get some moisture during pollination that is key are they going to stay in these average temperature ranges that they've been having? So far, they've gotten really lucky. They haven't had any massive, high temperatures for extended periods of time. What they really need is some rain, otherwise temperatures have been good. And that's, that's a really important, um, you know, crop from a global corn standpoint. Uh, the number one corn producer being the U.S. here, there's been some moisture come through in the eastern side of the corn belt you know does that create planting delays we've had some cooler temps here in the last week does that create planting delays because of soil temps um and we're super dry on the western side so we've almost got yin yang going on here get, getting some moisture not getting any um you know what kind of planting does that window does that then give us for the u.s so that's a huge debate right now for all you know for all considerations. We've got enough craziness going on in the wheat complex and that supply and demand setup. The market is, is, is going to be concerned about other grains and other oil seeds because we need some consistency in order to settle things down. And so far that hasn't happened. So when you look at corn, Obviously, we're going to care about pollination and production in Brazil. And obviously, we're going to care about planting, going into production for the U.S. the most right now. Uh, soybeans, we're trying to finish off what final numbers look like in Brazil. And quite frankly, earlier this week, CONAB came in and dropped their numbers again. And we don't think we're that they're done dropping production numbers out of uh, Brazil. And so we really need a really good crop in uh, the U.S. to sort of... Mellow out a soybean market. And so far we just, we've got a lot of ways to go. So I, I think it's definitely due for us to be focusing on these things, but it's going to keep ebbing and flowing back and forth as if things change drastically with this war um, going on over in, with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, the more changes that happen, the longer term effect it has on the wheat market. And so we'll start to see that come back into the, the spotlight eventually, but it's just kind of one of those. Um, one of those deals where the market's trying to digest as much information as it can and (laughs) sometimes we just can't do it all at once thankfully
1: that's going to be a little crazy if it did a lot of truth to that
0: yeah, yeah I wanted,
1: I kind to, of where we're at. I wanted to ask you about the FAO report. Since we're talking about Russia, yeah. Ukraine, and worldwide, uh, that gets up the food costs and the thoughts there. And, and those numbers came out, and unfortunately it showed what a lot of us had knew was coming, and that's not good numbers.
0: Yeah, there was, um I think it's the biggest, I, what I was reading is it's the biggest single jump um month over month. It was a 13% costing increase, essentially, is what that number basically says, Where's, here's the index of what it costs to purchase food globally. We jumped 13% in the month of February, which is the single biggest jump that I had seen. Uh, we're also sitting at new historic highs for what that, where that index is at. It was sitting at, um, a 159.6 points, I believe it was, 159.6, which is, you know, 20, almost 30 points higher than the previous, uh, record high. So, it's a really big deal the cost of food globally. And then next week we'll have the CPI numbers come out for the U.S. to tell us, um, to give us kind of the readout of where that index is for consumer goods in the U.S. We've been putting in really big jumps the last couple months. I personally don't see inflation slowed down in my neck of the woods, so I imagine that that CPI number reflects again, an increase to inflation across the U.S.
1: Lots of great things we looked at today, Heather. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, we're online at agrisconsulting.net or they can give us a holler, 402-484-747.
1: All right, that's today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.
0: It's time for a KRP.